Hello, everybody, once again for Volume 8 of the Disney Compendium, the April 20th, 1946 release, Make Mine Music. This is the eighth uh, Disney theatrical animated feature. I am your host, JJ, and over there on the other end of the line is Nick. How you doing there, buddy? Good, man. Uh, see, the movie's released on April 20th, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, boy. Well, for, <laughs> I think there's some 420 going on when we got made. Yes. <laughs> well, okay. So, yeah. Make My Music is the third of the 1940s package movies that they were doing. Obviously, the last two that we did, Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros, were the first two. Uh-huh. And... Uh, there's there's three more after this. So, <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the '40s weren't a great time. Uh, we can just get into the sort of the background as to why this movie exists the way it does right now, um, because this movie is after World War II. Now, mm-hmm. at this point, right? Um, the studio during World War II. I mean, you had. Um, Staff members, cartoonists, storyboarders, writers, inkers, all that stuff were drafted for the war. So, you know, they lost a lot of their um, staff. And the ones that didn't get drafted or didn't go off to the war effort and stayed at the studio were basically called in to do propaganda films for the military, for the government um, during that time frame. So Disney wasn't, they were in financially in a rough place. Um, So, but, you know, they're still trying to do as much work as they can on what they're going to be able to do afterwards. So um, they have a lot of unfinished work, things that they were working on that didn't make it into, in one case, never made it into Fantasia or um, most of them is just like they're kind of half cooked ideas uh, that, they needed to, you know, finish up at some point. Um, but, you know, no money's coming in. So, and they don't have a movie ready to go. Um, so what do you do? You take these ideas and you need to keep the, you need to keep the film division going. It is dying because again, no money. So you take all of these ideas and sort of try to make something out of it. Uh, and, uh, this is, uh, the, this is the first like true effort of like, we're free to go again, but we also don't have money. So let's get, gotta get something. Uh, so they're not tied down to war or propaganda. Even like the last two movies weren't directly tied to like the propaganda arm of what they were doing at the time, but it was still related in the fact where it was very specific in like, this is a government deal. So. Um, so you, you end up getting a film that is set to music and it is 10 segments (laughs) and boy, Uh, they they are all over the place in terms of quality for these segments. Can I ask you a question? Do you get the sense they were trying to go like, try to make a modern ish Fantasia like set in modern times? Oh, absolutely. I always, I always said like this was, I don't necessarily think it was to make a, a modern Fantasia so much. It was like, 
well, the idea of Fantasia is sound. What if we just try a different slant on it than we tried the when we failed it? Maybe if we so what if they take out all of the things that made Fantasia interesting? <laughs> this is what you get. Um, well, but, but I say modern because you know they had at the time modern artists or musicians. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you know it's it's a little bit of everything, but yeah, it's there was there was contemporary music and then some old classical music and um, this this movie they actually entered into the uh, Con Film Festival. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what when Michael Bay was going to do Transformers three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um. So funny thing with this one, um, the version that me and Nick watched is we watched the version that is sort of the that this is the version you would get in America if you were to buy the DVD that came out, and so the DVD is missing an entire segment and has some minor censorship going on later on in one of the other segments. So we also ended up find. I also found the missing segment on there. So um, it, it exists online uh, in other forms. But if you were to buy the American DVD, um, the first segment is the Martins and the Coys. We're just going to get right into the breaking down the uh, segments because it's the only way you can talk about this movie. It's not, there's no, there's no plot. There's no connecting tissue in any way, shape, or form. At least with Fantasia, they had like the Deems Taylor stuff in between musical segments and things. But this one doesn't. This one is like, like you get like a playbill and it's a book that's flipping pa- pages. And when you get to the next one, it's like another page of this playbill, so telling you what the song is. Um, <laughs> it's, it starts out rough. It starts rough. Yeah. Um, so, so the real start, um, the one that we watched, that's not how the movie started off. Well, I mean, it started off with that opening segment with them singing the Make My Music song, where you, you know it's a good movie when they're starting off a musical score, just showing you the celebrities that are going to appear throughout this, uh, <laughs> featuring Dinah Shore, Sterling Holloway. <laughs> Baby Goodman, that is our Christopher. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so the actual um, start of the movie, the first real segment was the, Mar- the Martins and the Coys. And that's not on the DVD. They cut that one out entirely um, because it's, it's a lot of just uh, goofy gunplay. Like it's cause it's, it's a, it's a country song sort of uh, with using the Hatfields and the McCoys drama as sort of its backbone. So it's a bunch of hillbillies just firing guns at one another until they're all dead except for two and the last two get married. <laughs> like this. And, and I don't think you I don't think you watched it, did you? You you, you passed I, I, watched, I watched like half of it, but even even I even what I saw I would prefer it start that way than yeah. what it did start with. <laughs> yeah, because what it starts with, what the what the American DVD will start with is Blue Bayou. <laughs> no Linda uh, Ronstadt to be found. Yes. It is like what? It's like two uh, egrets, I think it is. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, yeah, it's white noise. Is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> I need to go to sleep now. This, this is one that was intent originally. Like the original plan was for it to be in Fantasia, but it it wasn't good enough to be in Fantasia. Essentially. 
Um, I can see I can see it being in Fantasia. I'm glad it wasn't. I'm not glad it was in this movie. <laughs> it was. I think in uh, Fantasia, the animation was was originally going to be um, Claire de Lune, mm. uh, which I think this. I think if if this were Claire de Lune in the middle of this, it probably end up being a better segment. But um, it's I not. Mean, it, was it? It is. It is weird to start it with such a slow. Yeah. Slow short. Yeah, especially in, in the way, in the initial way this started was a, uh, you know, you know, a hootenanny kind of song, like a very, like, you know, I think like Gene Autry did a version of the Martins and the Coys and stuff. Yeah. Like, so it's like, you know, it's a, it's a more amped up way to start up the movie, but instead you started off with Blue Bayou and it's just like, boy. There's there here we go. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you if you if you got this, like, hey kids, let's watch this Disney movie. That is a rough way to get them to start that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's not the way it's originally started off, and you can tell. Like, if this yeah. was the, like, you wouldn't put this as the first track on an album or anything. Right. Like, this is absolutely not. That yeah. One. Um. But then after that, you go into. Uh, all the cats join in, right. which is uh, Benny Goodman and his orchestra, <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, it's that the cartoon, most. Oh yeah, that car made me dislike Benny Goodman, <laughs> and I used to like Benny Goodman. <laughs> I mean, it's just a. It is. I mean, it was a cartoon set to like teens of the forties. It was like the most contemporary period because this was like, it's like this weird, like jazz uh, number that is set to teenagers gathering each other up and going to the malt shop. <laughs> and yep. it's the, um, Teenager with, with black soulless eyes for some reason. Yeah. They're, they're, they got back like that, um, like that Lulu thing going on where it's just like, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's I, I don't think it's as bad as you think it is, but it's not great. It, this is one, this is one of the ones that I was talking about earlier that was um, censored. This was censored on the American version of this, the original sake. So there's a scene where, okay. So it's a boy at a malt shop listening to the jukebox he calls his, this girl and it's, through very little communication, just listening to the jukebox, so that's like, oh, I have to go on a date with this guy. <laughs> and um, she takes a shower, and there's a weird amount of like rear nudity <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> and she's a teenager. Yeah. So, and so in the original version, there's um, you can see her. It's their side boob in the original version of it yeah. that they cut out they, they didn't cut out they like redrew the scenes for the dvd release so there's none of that i mean she's still bare on the back and like you see her silhouette in the shower and things it's still it's like really weird for a disney movie <laughs> to this day so um i mean i here's the thing i will tell you about the cart this short i did like the animation in it yeah i that was really well animated really well drawn yeah like that's and kind of cool design to it, so I did like that. But um, this, uh, all these things like the, um, if you get like the like Asian or UK releases of these, you still get 
the uncensored forms and the original segment still. Um, these haven't been released in America. There, there's never, there hasn't, there's been like one DVD release and they haven't like done a follow up. There hasn't been a Blu-ray or anything of any of these package features. I think the only package feature outside, let's say you get, um, you get the Saludos, Three Caballeros got a Blu-ray release, and Ichabod and Mr. Toad get a um, yeah. uh, Blu-ray release. But these three, the next three, we got Make My Music, Fun and Fancy Free, and Melody Time. They only have the one DVD release, and that's the best version in America that you can get. So, <laughs> um, I got a VHS release, didn't it? What was that? This one got a VHS release, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that one would have been, that one would be unedited. It, it was only like DVD where they were starting to mess with things. I feel uh, like the version you and I want might have been the VHS version or something. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> felt that way. But um, but then after all the catch join in, you get the Without You segment, which is just, it's just a musical segment, like a love song kind of ballad thing. And it's an Andy Russell song and there's nothing to talk about with some of these because it's like there was absolutely zero intrigue like I just sort of I I was skipping ahead a little bit like you know 10 seconds here 10 seconds there to like okay (laughs) I watched all of it (laughs) I mean I watched all of it in a sense Uh, I mostly skipped past that one because the next segment was Casey at the bat and um, that's which is why I remember. Yeah, that's a fun. That's a good one. That is a really. Yeah. I yes, generally like Casey at the bat. I think it's a great little short. Um, it, it's for those that don't know, Casey at the bat is an old uh, poem. Uh, yeah, about the arrogant uh, baseball player, essentially, and the outside of changing the date and a couple of minor things, it's all, it's pretty much an adaption straight across of the poem, even using most of the dialogue from the poem just set to music. I, I don't know. Who, I don't know who the, uh, who the, uh, the uh, voiceover person in this was or the narrator, but I actually really like their, his voice. Oh, uh, it's, um, uh, uh, Jerry, Jerry Colonna, Colonna. I can't remember. He used to work with, yeah. um, Bob Hope. Um, that was big, oh, okay. That was a big thing. Right. He used to do like the radio show that Bob Hope did around this time period. So he is a contemporary uh, at the time sort of comedian um, doing uh, doing some stuff for Disney. So yeah. and he's been he a bunch, very... been in a, and he's been in like the road films that the Bob, if you've seen them in the Bob Hopes like Road to Hong Kong yeah. and just stuff. He was in those yeah. too. Um, he and has he kind was, of a, a vaguely Irish accent. Yeah. Vaguely uh, he Irish. Was, he was also um, the March Hare. That was his other Disney. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Then. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's who, they, that's who the uh, narrator of this one is. So, you know, he's got a Disney pedigree later on. This is like his first big thing. He was, again, he was a contemporary celebrity, um, a radio star, first and foremost. Um, he did a really good job. He did a good re- uh, sort of. Yeah, I mean, it was musical because he did a lot of musical stuff, but like, yeah, and, and it's good animation. It's funny. It's pretty funny um, animation yes, style. So, 
I enjoyed it. I really like Casey at the Bat. It's one of the ones that stand out uh, the most in this entire set. I think there's only a couple that really stand out. The coincidence that it, this I, that I saw this one by itself later on, because maybe this one was plucked out for a reason. Like, okay, this is one of the highlights. Yeah, I, there's there's been a couple that have been plucked out from this one for various. It's it's obvious you can easily tell which ones were plucked out because they're very much in the Disney style. Because like the next one is the Dinah Shore one, and it's the um, the ballet one, uh, two silhouettes. Yes. And it's yeah. so, it's such filler. Like, I don't, like, yeah, okay. It's like, you know, it's uh, two silhouettes and it's a, it's, it's a pretty, you know, it's a gorgeous song for the most part being sung by dinosaur, yeah. but it's like the, it's completely rotoscoped. Um, so it's basically a live yeah. action segment, but it's not, it's just hand drawn over live action segments. Um, but drawn to look like silhouettes dancing. And I mean, it's, you know, this would have looked fine in like, as like a Fantasia segment, maybe, you know what I mean? Like just like a little interstitial or something, but like this movie is so incoherent in tone that it just sort of like these things stick out more because this is sandwiched between Casey and the bat and Peter and the wolf. (laughs) Yeah. And like it, it, it makes it all the more jarring when this is like okay, Casey at the bat, these two rotoscoped ballet dancers, and Peter and the Wolf. Like it's yeah. And, yeah. and, and by the way, what four or five uh, shorts in this thing and third ballad? This yeah. thing is just super heavy on the romantic ballads. Yeah, and and it like yeah, we still got a few more. <laughs> yes, we do. But, um, yeah. But the next one after the two silhouettes uh, was Peter and the Wolf. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, I I like this one a lot. Me too. I I really like this one, and I think this one was also plucked out, right? Yes, this would have been released elsewhere afterwards. I think this was on TV at a couple of times, like on like Disney shows and things. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, it's a really like it's an adaption of. Peter and the Wolf, um, for the most part. I mean, as good as it can be, considering what they're working with. Um, it's like Sterling Holloway. Yeah, Sterling Holloway again, uh, MVP of Disney voiceover work. Um, but uh, yeah, and each I, the thing I liked about it is that every character had like an instrument associated to them. If yes, I don't know if it was like yeah. yeah. So like when Peter was doing something, there was the strings and like, you know, the, the, the little bird was uh, like a flute would play. And uh, um, it's, it's really, it's really interesting. It was like really well done and really clever. And they did a lot of good stuff and like kettle drums for gunshots and things like it was, it was really fun and it's a really good adaption. And it's I think it's the best part of the movie. It's it, it's pretty close. If it's if it's either this or Casey, I'm, I'm sure. I, yeah. I think. 
I think I think I like Casey at the bat more, but I think this is like the best. Like the animation is the best. Like the tone, yeah. the music, and everything I think comes together much better. Like Casey and the Bat's just kind of a fun kind of. It feels like it feels Casey and the Bat feels more set up to be like the short before a movie, where this just feels more like a silly symphony or something. Peter and the Wolf. Um, I feel like this would have been great in Fantasia. Yes. Yeah. Um, like, or like, like Fantasia 2000, like this could have benefited from something like Peter and the Wolf. Uh, I, I remember seeing this when I was, uh, I think I was probably like five when I saw this cartoon for the first time. And that wolf scared the hell out of me. It's a scary wolf. And it makes you, they, they, yeah. they misdirect you to think he ate the bird. Like, Gotcha. Yeah. fine. Yeah. No, he's fine. But um, yeah, it's a scary design because the wolf is just like all like it's lanky and skinny, but it's all drooling and all its head is all teeth kind of thing. Like, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That wolf is legit. Yeah. Um, after that one is after you've gone, which is another one of those like empty segments where it's just music set to a parade of musical instruments. Like they're just anthropomorphized musical instruments and it's not good. Like even the animation's kind of bad in it. (laughs) I, I, this is is the one where I, yeah, I don't think I had, I don't think I had more trouble concentrating than any uh, of any of the cartoons than this one. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. This one was rough. And then, yeah, it's just, it doesn't look good. The song isn't particularly captivating, and again, it's Benny Goodman again. <laughs> to be fair, the, the 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 first one, the first one at the, at the malt shop was much better. Yes, um, and I didn't like that one. That was still much better. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but then you follow this one up. The very next song is Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet. Another ballad <sighs> about two hats. <laughs> John, Johnny Fedora uh, is going around trying to find do intendies and uh... <laughs> uh, yeah no it's yeah it's man it's bad it's just boring it's like another ballad it's a romantic love story of t- about two hats <laughs> they yeah. get the horses at the end <laughs> And you know what? I, I I remember seeing this one too by itself somewhere, but I don't. I can't tell you where I saw it. I still I saw it somewhere. I'm like, yeah. oh, I remember too. Yeah. This one is the uh, Andrews sisters too. So yes. Um, and like, the thing is, like on the surface, this whole this whole movie, like it's got some really good music artists. Like I, you know, if you say like, hey, yeah, you've got powerhouses behind it. You've got you know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I mean, you've got Disney animators behind it. You've got some peak celebrity musicians and vocalists and stuff. And um, it just never came together because everything, If the reason it exists is because these are all things that were incomplete, that they couldn't put in somewhere else. That They just had bits and pieces lying around and they just shove them into a movie. And it feels like that because there's nothing, there's no connective tissue which I think is the worst part of it. If there was some sort of connective tissue, like at least Fantasia may not have had connective tissue in the sense of where 
all the stories were connected in some way, but there is at least like it was presented to you as a concert. It was presented to you as here's the, you know, Deems Taylor introducing things and here's it's all thematically similar because it's all classical orchestral pieces. And this one is like, there's no continuity between the type of music they're going to play. There's no continuity between the types of animation that they're going to be showing you. Um, If you've never seen this before, it can be jarring because like it's, you know, there is very rarely is there one, two back to back that feel like they're like even in the same playground, you know what? Like, (laughs) It's... Well, like I mean, musically, like I said, like it's a lot of ballads. I mean, so it's basically like ballads and swing music. Yeah, and then like in in Peter the Wolf, and then that the the whale who uh, the whale uh, yeah. that one had more op- operatic sound. So yeah, yeah, you're right. There's like there's like no <laughs> no through line there. Yeah, yeah. There's no. And it's like even if it was pres- even if there was something in between the segments as opposed to just a page of a book, like if there was like a Disney character introducing the next segment or some sort of cute something in the middle or animators doing something or anything else, but it's really there's nothing. It's just and, and then you you wrap it all up with um, the whale who wanted to sing at the Met. Yes, and. Boy, this is this is a big. It's like the longest segment in the movie. <laughs> uh, the way it, the way it ends is super weird. Yeah, this one is so. It's the story of a. There's a rumor. Okay, <laughs> there is a whale that can sing. <laughs> He's got three octaves. He's got three. He's got three different uh, falsetto, baritone, and uh, yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. So he can. So he can sing in three different octaves. It's portrayed by his uh, uvulas because he has three different uvulas back there. <laughs> um, uh, Nelson Eddy is the narrator for this, right? Yes. Yes. Nelson Eddy um, did the music and the uh, singing. He sang all three yes. parts. Um, so, but, uh, he, he, this whale wants to sing at the Met. Um, there is a rumor that there is a whale that can sing. <laughs> and that's, of course, that, that, that's absurd. Um, so the impresario, uh, goes out and wants to hunt the whale because <laughs> he thinks that he swallowed an opera singer. <laughs> Yeah. So that's the in his mind, the reason why people hear this whale singing is because there's an opera singer stuck in the belly of a whale, like like he's Geppetto. <laughs> so uh, we're okay. This on this segment um, is the seagull his voice coach. I, I just think it's his friend, but maybe he might be onto something there because <laughs> he conducts him. Yeah, 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 I guess. I mean, he's, yeah. Uh, the seagull's name, by the way, is Whitey. So that's a... Whitey. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so but the, eventually, so, you know, the impresario gets to the whale. He hears the three octaves. So now it's, oh, he didn't he swallow one opera singer. He swallowed three opera singers. 
And so he's going after. Yeah, he he is going after him, uh, uh, Moby Dick style with a harpoon to take down this whale. <laughs> and the sailors keep beating the crowd. There's there's three sailors with him. Yeah, and they they're entranced by this whale singing, so they physically beat the hell out of the sky <laughs> so they can listen to. It. Yeah, they're just they're just pun intended wailing on this guy. <laughs> Ah! <laughs> like Uh-oh. yeah, and so eventually you get to see his the this whale's career as a famous operatic singer. So like you know he's singing, he gets yeah he gets to play at the Met. You see this nice montage and um uh, uh he finally the impresario is convinced about this singing whale uh. And it's like, it's a happy ending. And then boom, you cut back to reality where it was all a dream sequence and he kills the whale still. <laughs> he harpoons the whale. And you get this weird dark thrashing around thing. Yeah. And, and the whale goes to heaven. Yeah. And now he's singing in heaven. So uh, this is a weird crazy this one feels like this is where the like the concept of this was we have this this is a good idea we need to make more of this like it feels like this was the story that was first you know what i mean like it's the most fleshed out it's the longest it has the most story of anything it's it, it feels standalone ish on its own like like it like it fits in what you think this movie would be. Yeah. And it, when it takes advantage of like, it's like, you know, like in the whole, when the impresario is like daydreaming about the whale, it's yeah. like variety and like look magazine time, have the whale on the cover or talking about it. So it's very like, you can tell they wanted this to be the headliner. Yeah. Yeah. And it ends with curtains closing and that's the end of the movie. Uh, and the whale's dead. Yeah, congrats. Yeah, hey, this guy was wrong. Still killed the whale, and now he's dead. And you get a, you get a pick. You get the final scene of him hitting a big note in heaven, like still singing away. You can. St- yeah. <laughs> and what? Nelson A goes. Don't worry, Whitey. He's he's where all God's sea creatures go, <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Like what? Yeah, it's. Boy, it is it this, and that's yeah, that's the end of the movie, and that's it's, a- it's such a bad movie, but not like I don't know how else to they could have made this movie because this was the only movie that probably could have existed at the time for them for the studio. So like, it's a bad movie because it's goulash. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just one block from the other. Yeah, and it's just like it's cold and kind of soulless overall. Like it really just feels like you put. It just feels like they took a bunch of Disney shorts and made a compilation disc and sold it kind of situation. Like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel like this should have been a theatrical movie, but you know, it is. This, so when I was watching this thing, uh, this is kind of what I, I thought to myself: like, okay, so this is the time Disney's struggling financially, right? Yes, and I'm doing great. But we're gonna pay Dinah Shore and Benny Goodman and the Andrew yeah. sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's it's weird. It's it's a weird 
thing. Like they have no money, but yet they're licensing out some of these celebrities and stuff. You know, you got Dinah Shore, Benny Goodman, you've got, uh, um, uh, you know, Nelson Eddy and uh, Jerry Colonna and stuff. Like it's, it's like, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, I, I'm guessing that there must like the studio system was different back then, so it may have just been maybe some of these people were contractually obligated to do a movie that RKO told them to do or something. <laughs> like, or could it be like, hey, you, you just put this song on your album and we'll charge you for it or something. Yeah, but, but um, yeah, it, it it's just a disjointed mess. And the thing is, there's like there's like a couple good good shorts in this thing. And I want, get... to put, I want to put this in, uh, sort of to tell, to, to maybe give you some information as to like what the big movies of the year were in 1946. Mm-hmm. The number one movie of the box office for the year of 1946, the year this movie came out. Do you know? 1946. <clears throat> um, I don't know. It was another Disney movie. The number one movie of the year was Song of the South. The Lord Voldemort of Disney movies. That shall not be named unless unless you you know, ride Splash Mountain, which is just Song of the South, the ride, but they they can't say that anymore. Or, so. or you do a, or, or you do like 30 seconds of Google searching and come across <laughs> go it. Any, it's, it's out there. Go it's to any there. Comic-Con in the world and somebody selling a bootleg DVD of Song of the South, usually with Korean subtitles or something. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, it's and not like this. It's not like Disney wasn't making movies at this time, like this in 1946. Um, I mean, because they made Song of the South, which is, you know, despite the background of that movie and what it sort of historically has become is a much better movie all around um, if you get past the, uh, you know, the, the race issues in that movie. I mean, it's got great music. The animation segments are phenomenal. Every animation segment in that, in song of the South is better than um, all the animation segments in this one, <laughs> but some of There's them, story. but they all are, but several, a few of them have much more. Uh, let's say time has not been kind. <laughs> to yeah. Some of the segments. Um, I mean, Song of the South is also based off of off the Uncle uh, Uncle, Uncle Remus, Remus story. Yeah. So. so you know, it's an adaption of a thing where they sort of updated it a little bit. Um, we're never going to cover that on this particular uh, season of this particular podcast. If we go on to other things later, I would like to talk about Song of the South a little more because there's some very fun history behind Song of the South, both when it came out, both after it came out to this day. There's still you know, there's lots of information about song of the south that's sort of interesting and it's mostly a good movie um it's not that much more racist than some of the other disney's fairs that you find in, in terms of um how they 
portray, you know, ethnicities because like we just, we already saw Dumbo and, you know, Peter Pan has you know, the yeah. Native American depictions and things like, you know, there's some really cold um, stereotypical representations and, um, it, you know, Song of the South isn't much different, but uh, it's just the whole movie revolves around it as opposed to, you know, a small segment or something. So, but yeah. And a lot of it revolves around Remus himself because he's Uncle Remus and Uncle was a derogatory term for older yeah. black men, period. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, um, um, it's an interesting time for um, Disney because they, they, they're, they're, they're almost there. They're, 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 they're starting to claw themselves you know back up. Um, the next, like I said, the, the next, I, the next movie that we're going to do is um, a little movie called fun and fancy free. And it's mm-hmm. um, overall a much more enjoyable movie. Um but uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, yeah but um, what's funny about uh, the next movie we're doing, like Mickey the Beanstalk, yeah, or, or funny fancy free, it's got that cartoon. The heart, there's elements from this movie that I kind of I kind of see that in that, like how they draw women in this cartoon. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. How the, is drawn. You can kind of see, like, oh, okay, that's their that's their model for young girls. Yeah, yeah, they have a very specific. Uh, yeah, they, they were the animators were in a specific place at that time, and you can tell. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, you know, this movie. Uh, this movie, I still like this movie more than the last two that we watched. The the Latin America double feature. Um, I don't think it's any, it's not better than anything else that we've done. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I think for well, both of the us. Thing is, yeah. What, what, you know how we say, like, we'll say, hey, watch this or don't watch this. And I don't want to say don't watch this cartoon, but yeah. watch parts of it. Yeah. I, I, like, skip through it. I think, like, even things that we don't like, you might like. Like, you know, everyone yeah. has different taste in music. It's just like we were just the ballads part of it was just like so hokey and, and, and the animation didn't do them any favors. Like of the, of the love ballad ones they had in here, I think the, um, the fedora blue bonnet one, Johnny fedora and blue bonnet um, one had the better animation of all of them, but it's still boring animation uh, to me. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you might find some interest in some of that stuff. Um, and, and if you're a fan of like the 1940s swing music, that yeah. you, you're going to dig this cartoon quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, the American version is incomplete, which, you know, because I think the Martins and the Koi segment's pretty decent. It's not great, mm-hmm. but it feels a little, it's more fun than some of the stuff on this. Um, I need to go back and finish it now because I, now I'm interested to think. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, I think if we're, we're working on our lists, I think, um, I, I'm, I'm going to say it's, it, it's because Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros are the bottom two for us. Yeah. Um, I, I would put it, I would put it above those two, but not any higher than anything else on the list. 
that is exactly my list. Yeah. So because, that, that's because that was the one. There wasn't much like it's because I there's the the couple of segments that are really good in this one are leaps and bounds better than every good segment in the previous two. Like <laughs> Like if, if you just like if you're just gonna see if you're just gonna pick out Casey the Bat and Peter the Wolf, okay, this is this you know that's your. I would even if say. You're gonna watch I would even say that the whale who wanted to sing at the Met is yeah, like yeah, that, really, one's okay. that one's okay. It's not like great, but I think it's I think it's like it's one of the more watchable ones because there's something there. There's some sort of soul to it. Like it feels like so. There's a story. Yeah. There's there's a narrative playing out in this as opposed to just these are two hats that love each other or here's some here's some silhouettes dancing, which you know and it, it sounds funny talking about that because you know Fantasia has segments that is just like here is color representation of music but it feels like it's being it feels artistic like it is taking an interpretation of the song that's playing and sort of interpreting it as like an artistic vision. It doesn't, these don't feel like artistic visions. It just feels like somebody came up with an idea and they just ran with it. Like, yeah, it's a ballet. Let's just put the ballet to these silhouettes or whatever. You know, it's. it's... Do you, do you get the sense this movie was released to appeal to adults? There are teenage children and their younger children. Yeah. It really does feel like it was like a, bring the whole family down the war's over you need some time out kind of stuff so uh <laughs> a buzz cut come on down <laughs> so um, yeah it's it's yeah it's a rough little movie but I, I, you know given the time frame you have to take the history into account about what was going on and like you know disney wasn't make even even so like the money that they money was being tied up in europe so you're starting to see the studio at this point making more live action stuff like and song of the south and things like that and uh, it uh it it was a success theatrically for them for the most part and a budget of like uh, not quite 1.5 million but close to it and it made over 3 million at the box office worldwide so i mean you know, not, 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 not a failure, but not great, but you know, it's enough money to let them keep moving forward till and keep working on the next big project from them, which, you know, again, next big project is coming up soon, but not yeah, soon yeah. enough for us. It's still several years away in their studio history, but um, you know, they're just going to be skating along in the anim- in the movie department. Animation is going to be just sort of skirting along for the rest of the forties animation doesn't really become a big thing for them again until the fifties hit, um, especially theatrically. So like we hit Cinderella. Yes. And we get Cinderella. Um, yeah. And by the time you get to Cinderella, like, you know, you've got a couple of good years of movies there. Uh, you're going to, then you're going to start getting a distracted Walt again, because Walt's going to want to, <laughs> Walt's going to start focusing on trains and the theme park. So, uh, you know, and, and you're getting you're going to see some of the live action movies that came out during this time frame are actually pretty good movies. Um, when Walt made his way to California, he wanted to make he wanted to be a director. He's like, "There's no money in cartoons. Nobody's going to pay me to make cartoons. I've always wanted to make a movie, and like, I want to be a live action director." And 
there was because he thought he think about this when Walt got into cartoons he thought he was getting into it too late mm. <laughs> because cartoons had already existed then it's like well you've already got you know Felix the Cat and some of these things so like Eddie when, Boop, yeah else. he was like you know he thought it was already too late so when he by the time he moves out to California and starts doing his thing he, he wanted to make movies and he's presented with an opportunity after World War II to make these movies because all of the studio's earnings uh, because of the war and everything are tied up in Europe and he has to spend the money in Europe. It can't come to America. I know this is old stuff, but this history remains the same. I've mentioned this stuff before. So that's when you start seeing the Walt Disney um, sort of focusing on the act, like real live action, real movies, real life movies and not cartoons anymore. But um, that's so, uh, so quick question. Is this around the period where which we're transitioning out of RKO into Buena Vista Pictures? Um, yeah, we've still got a few more RKOs to go. Um, I'm trying to think of when the last Disney RKO feature was. Um, I mean, I will. I'm going to Google that because now you've got me curious because you've mentioned this a couple of times. Uh, Buena Vista out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, people get that joke. Yeah, that's uh, that's 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 for a party. Yes, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Peter Pan looks like it's the last one. That's what I was thinking. I think I thought it was Alice in Wonderland, but Peter Pan will be the last RKO distributed um, Disney feature. So. That's two movies what? after Cinderella. So it goes Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, and then Buena Vista. Take Disney starts distributing their own movies. So, so good, like another what uh, seven, eight years maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because that would be fifty three, and we're in forty six now. So yeah, yeah. So there you go. We're we're getting close to RKO, getting the boot, <laughs> getting punted right out of here. It was pretty much the end of them after that. At that point, too. Yeah, RKO didn't survive a heck of a lot longer. Uh, uh, there was no, there was the, the you know, the the studio, the, the idea of these the way studios worked and stuff back then was outdated rather quickly. So, um, they went out of business in 1959. So, yeah. Wow, and you think about what RKO produced, uh, you know, King Kong and Citizen King. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two of the biggest films of all time, and it's like, that. Eh. And I mean, like, you know, even, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, like, between yeah. those three movies, those are three of the biggest films ever produced. Yep. <laughs> Most, you know, important. So. Um, they went under. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that's going to be it for Make Mine Music um, today. Nick is uh, November eighteenth, two thousand and eighteen. You know what that is, means? It is Mickey Mouse's ninetieth birthday? So let's get Willard Scott. Muppets <laughs> uh, <laughs> wishes you a happy birthday. <laughs> but yeah, Mickey Mouse turned ninety today. That's you know, I wish. This was next week because at least next week we have a sh- movie that has Mickey Mouse in it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, 
but yeah, we talked a little bit about Mickey Mouse last week, you know, his, the black and white era. And on Friday was exciting because they just uh, discovered a lost Oswald cartoon. You told me, and you said it was uh, some guy in Japan, right? Yeah. Old, old man, 85, I think it was. They found a, uh, uh, what, uh, what there's, they made 27 Oswald shorts. Um, they put a DVD out that had the surviving Oswald shorts and like one that was like partially survived onto the set. So you had, then it was a 13 episode deal, 13 short deal. Um, and that was mid two thousands. And in between then they found several more Oswald shorts and they've been kind of dropping them here and there. Like if you get the most recent release of Bambi and, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. They actually have some of the most recently discovered Oswald shorts on them uh, as bonus features. Uh, just uh, one of them is on the Snow White DVD. It's uh, Os- I forget what it was called. Something that was a hobos. They were Oswald and his friend were hobos on the rails, getting chased by a cop trying to kill him. And the um, Snow White one, or no, the Bambi one is like them in the forest. That one makes thematic sense. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But um, so, yeah. So, so there are still, even after discovering this one, there's still six that are totally lost. Like even the one that they found isn't a complete one. It's only a few minutes. Um, is, is it just like, others is there reason they're lost is because like, you know, like studios just, yeah, various reasons. Or, or acid, they're on acetate and that's not really the most reliable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, but yeah, different things. Because remember, Oswald wasn't owned by the Disney Corporation either, Disney Company in any way, shape, or form for a while either. So um, you have, you know, Universal probably didn't take particularly good care of them. I mean, Universal didn't start taking good care of things until relatively historically recently. Like, you could go onto the back lot of Universal Studios and just see movie cars just rotting away, like, depressingly, like, an Ecto-1 in the back movie lot, just, like, tires falling off of it kind of thing. Like, they didn't take particularly good care of things. Yeah, and as far as movie restoration goes, I... What was it was like 15 years ago? Like, oh, we should probably restore Dracula. Like, yeah, you probably should. Yeah, yeah, and, like, so most... and, And most of the, like... Most of these things that exist just happen to have been because like, you know, student movies houses didn't like when they got their thing, they just, you know, once they're done with it, they're done with it. You know, yeah. They didn't care to take care of it. And if you sent it back, you sent it back. If you kept it, you kept it. And, you know, like this guy, he bought it as a teenager. And so it's just been like, you know, sitting around. Some of them have been found in like, like, oh, this was in, like, the family safe or something. So, like, some of them have luckily just been, like, they personally owned this one. And it's just perfect scenario where it just wound up in a private collection somewhere that nobody knew it was in there. And it just happened to be in, like, good condition, like, storage conditions just by complete accident kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, because a, a lot of these, uh, a lot of old old film reels, you know, like, they're, first of all, highly flammable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, if they're not stored, like if they're not stored in dry, dry areas, it's bad. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah. So yeah, a lot of these Oswald shorts just wound up lost. And so there's still six missing. The, the, the You know, you're probably never going to find them all, but the, you know, they keep finding them. So there's, there's a very real possibility that they all still exist out there in some way, shape or form. Um, you never know. 
I mean, they just were, they were everywhere. I mean, these, all, all of these cartoons were playing before movies and stuff. And, you know, so many theaters had them and so many people owned them. So there's a good chance that, you know, within our lifetime, they'll have found all of the um, lost Oswald shorts, especially since there are people now dedicated to trying to find them. So. Yeah. People and people with deep pockets too. Yeah. So. So, and Disney will love to have them. I mean, have them be refound. Uh, you know, they, they have their, their, their archives are insanely extensive. So like, you know, just any, any ounce of information that can be saved is saved there. I mean, from the, from the beginning, they were, you know, once Walt Disney created his own studio, once, you know, universal RKO, like universal, um, you know, basically, you know, screwed him out of Oswald, and that, that was never going to happen again. And, you know, it was, it, they kept everything. So there's, there's like, there's still like pencil tests that like you get some of these Walt Disney treasures and stuff. They have pencil tests of like <laughs> early Mickey Mouse cartoons still saved. Like it's the, it's, there's some weird stuff. Like they still have the original Mickey Mouse sketch that oh, works did. Like, you know, that's something that you think would just, just throughout the years like there might be a copy of it somewhere but no they have the original sketch like <laughs> in a way universal burning walt so badly was kind of him in almost like a thankfully paranoid way he's like no i'm holding on to everything yeah yeah like it's it's uh it's yeah it's impressive to to know to even like a fraction of the extent they said uh they have just Real after real after real of footage of Disneyland being built, like just hundreds of hours of footage of the theme park being built. Like, <laughs> uh, it's it's like it's like they documented it so extensively. They put a time lapse video on a Disney Treasures set at one point of the of the theme park getting built. Like, you know, it took a year, and it's just like a one year time lapse. Think about how much footage that is. <laughs> you a question. If for some reason Disney goes, all right, we're going to put out a Blu-ray set of just the hours of footage of us building Disneyland. You for sure would buy that set. Oh, absolutely. I, I and, and it. Yeah. <laughs> just watch it throughout a year, throughout the year. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, uh, it would be my it would be the background noise for every part of every moment, every free moment of my life. Like if I wasn't playing a video game or at work, I would probably be <laughs> recording this. I would probably be watching them build this theme park. Oh, they're uh, they're, they're painting the haunted mansion. <laughs> oh man! Oh but, man! Here comes the gazebo. Oh, there goes the gazebo. <laughs> hey, that guy's not working. <laughs> Just yeah. Then, then you get to the Teamsters era of Disneyland <laughs> being built. <laughs> I, I'm on my break. Yeah. <laughs> but then we're talking yeah. about Oswald, and you know, even it's Mickey's birthday. Without Oswald, there's no Mickey. Oh yeah, and I mean, and and Mickey, Mickey cartoons picked up like virtually exactly where Oswald left out. There's if you watch some old, even there's even two Mickey Mouse cartoons that are just they just remade two Oswald cartoons to be Mickey Mouse cartoons. Like, like uh, there was like the one where he's like, you know, construction worker on a building. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That was an Oswald cartoon. Oh, they, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, and then they just like once Mickey Mouse took over, they just remade it. They just—it's not like they just painted over Oswald with Mickey. They just they, you know they made the cartoon again. And there's a second one that is can't not coming to me off the top of my head, but um, yeah, I mean, and, and the way Mickey Mouse moves and works and everything is virtually identical to Oswald. So um, yeah, it's it picks up immediately where Oswald left off, and uh, except now with Sam. Which, you know, it, it doesn't, and it's also funny because I don't think it would have mattered who they put if they, if it was a different character altogether, it still would just be as just as big because of the sound. It was such a significant at the time <laughs> and it was Walt Disney who was already starting to make a name for himself. So I think yeah. it, Mickey, it being Mickey, it's just, it's just, it's just how it is. But, you know, if if he came up with Donald Duck instead of Mickey Mouse, it still would have been massive. It still would have been this huge thing. It's first sound cartoons because there weren't very many, car- mo- even real movies with sound at the time. So, yeah, you say that, but at the same time, I'm thinking about like how, how iconic the mouse here silhouette is. Yeah, but at the same time, it's it's iconic because it's just it's made itself iconic like you know a duck a silhouette of a duck head could be just as equally as iconic if you just you know yeah yeah there's no mickey mouse orange juice so (laughs) that's not right apple juice (laughs) nah even donald's got the apple juice game on lockdown too so (laughs) um but yeah like i think i feel like disney's done a really good job this year with like promoting Mickey's birthday. Yeah, there's so much there's so much material out there. They put out a good DVD set. They had a um, there was a there was a uh, there's some press stuff going on today where they were talking about Mickey Mouse stuff and like there's a theme park attraction opening up at Disney World next year and you know it's and I also feel bad for Minnie Mouse because she was in that first short too. It's also her 90th birthday, but nobody nobody says happy birthday to Minnie. <laughs> to be fair, is, Minnie's not very And I'm sorry to say that. She's not. I, I, I was watching um, some Mickey Mouse cartoons today because I have the um, Disney Treasures sets. Um, and so they've just collected them all. Yeah. And the early Mickey Mouse stuff, they loved like pantsing jokes, jokes where characters pants come off. And like, it doesn't matter who the character is either. Mickey Mouse is always finding his pants being taken off. Uh, Pete, even Minnie is fine. Like using her like bloomers as a, you know, parachute. Mickey Mouse is like picking her up by her underpants with a, with like a, a hook, you know, like a crane construction crane hook and stuff. Like it's just a lot of like underpants and pants jokes in these early eras. <laughs> they even kind of like acknowledge it a little bit and get a horse too. Yeah. Yep. Well, the thing about get a horse that's super cool is that all the like audio is just old repurposed audio. So it yeah. is and some Walt Disney did the voice of Mickey Mouse and it's still it's Walt as the voice of Mickey Mouse. It's not like they recorded anything new for that. So, you know, Pete's, uh, Pete's voice acting in that cartoon. I'm like, I've heard it before. And it was that one where Mickey's on the train with Pluto. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know that audio. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get you. <laughs> or whatever it was. Yeah. But, um, I yeah. Have a little time. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, it, yeah, that, that was a good. That's a good short. That's a really good short, and it has a little Oswald cameo in it. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. I, I kind of, you know, you watch that. I kind of miss Pete as a foil. Yeah, yeah. I'm mean, like, because like even in Goof Troop, he was like really good as a foil in that. <laughs> He's, I mean, okay, so when I have children, I will tell you, he's in Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Oh. He, he's just kind of there. Just exists. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's, I mean, he's, I guess, the closest thing you can call a bad guy, but it's just like, oh, we can't find a wrench. Well, I don't have a wrench. Okay. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> he probably does have a wrench. You know, Pete's got a wrench. <laughs> But yeah, so, you know, it's, I think Mickey Mouse cartoons, uh, especially if you watch the black and white ones, are all, they, 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 they're pretty good still. Yeah. They, they get a little spotty once the color years uh, come into play. But even then, there's some really good color ones. Like your favorite, Mickey's trailer. Mickey's trailer or think, uh, Brave Little Taylor. Brave Little Taylor, uh, Mickey and the Beanstalk, even yeah. though that's not a traditional short in a sense, but still. Um, also, uh, uh, the, the the Ghosts one is uh, a Love, good one. Lonesome Ghosts, yeah. Lonesome Ghosts is a good one. A band concert is the first color one, and that was a really, really, really good short. Um, but I think overall, though, I think the Mickey Mouse black and white cartoons are more... The, the, the humor that's in them are more, it's more, you know, slapsticky, a little more of the time. Like you could see the influence of Chaplin. Yeah. Uh, Walt always had in the Mickey Mouse stuff because Walt was a massive fan of Chaplin. Um, Pretty much so. once, once Mickey got that more rounded face, it's yeah. nothing as funny. Yeah. Yeah. Once, once, they, once they started taking more and more of the mouse uh, part of Mickey out of Mickey, then, you know, yeah, he started losing his edge and started becoming, you know, you know, it's like when you round off corners and stuff, you started becoming like baby safe kind of stuff. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, but I still have like, even with even round face Mickey, there's, there's cartoons of his. I love like Mickey's Christmas Carol is a favorite of mine. Yeah. Every year. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. Um, it's absolutely a fantastic adaption of A Christmas Carol. Um, you can try to have more to do with Scrooge, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, there's no what Scrooge without him really just really abusing, <laughs> you know, his employee who happens to be Mickey Mouse this time around. And I feel like, so, like we can't talk about that cartoon because it's almost Christmas, and yeah, I mean, that's a that's a great freaking cartoon, man. Yeah, it's. Uh, there's parts of it. I was I watched it like two days ago. Like the part where uh, well, Tiny Tim is dead and Mickey's at the grave. You're like, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. It's uh, or Scrooge goes to hell. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's some good stuff there. But yeah, there's just yeah, Mickey Mouse just like even when he's not around in terms of you know film and stuff like 
he, he will still drop something every once in a while that's like worth noting. Like, you know, Mickey's Christmas Carol obviously was one of the ones where Mickey Mouse really wasn't a property, like a movie cartoon property anymore when that movie came out. Yeah. So, but, um, well, I mean, and, and you know, I've talked about on the show before, and you know how much we love the new the new Mickey shorts. New Mickey shorts, where, where he's kind of back to his roots a little bit, and they're, and they're really, really good. Yeah, like just a real troublemaker. Uh, Mickey Mouse is back, and like things things aren't work. You know, things not working out for him, and him trying to, you know, you know, swindle his way into a resolution. You know. <laughs> Or like, or the, is there, there's, there's one word that kind of play on Mickey's naivete, where he says yes to everybody. <laughs> but yeah. Or uh, uh, my favorite one, I will tell you of the new Mickey Mouse cartoons, okay. is Goofy's grandma. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> where, where Goofy moves in with Mickey because there's a giant spider in his house, but he pretends to be his own grandmother. And it's just the weirdest cartoon. <laughs> oh, what was I, I like the one where um, oh, what's it called? It's it's staying cool. It's the one where it's too hot outside, and it's Donald, Goofy, and Mickey yeah. trying to get cool. <laughs> and that one really made me. That there were some funny gags in that. Uh, yes, yeah. Um, my son has a favorite, and it's Potato Land. <laughs> he loves Potato Land, and that one's great because they pretty much make fun of Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and the one with the abominable snowman in it. Oh like, my gosh! Yes, that was so good. Where I, I don't know, like where they're trying to like not cause an avalanche, so Mickey starts screaming, and then the Yeti tells him like. Yeah. But he had, he's so he just screams quiet, like with no sound coming. I don't, it's a just some good gags in it. <laughs> uh, there's also the I forget what the one was where Mickey and Minnie and Daisy and Donald are at the beach and they're gonna get a, a go to a snack shack that Goofy's running. Yeah, Goofy won't let them in because Donald's not wearing pants and Mickey's <laughs> not wearing a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah no it's absolutely like the best Mickey Mouse that's around. And these are all all free on YouTube. Yeah. Absolutely. Go go search those out. Those are really, they're all really good. Yeah. I, yeah. I was disappointed that they didn't end up including one of those in the 90th anniversary set that they put out with Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Like there's a couple of um, like, there's a couple of shorts. Like I would have picked what I would have picked one of the, more recent Mickey Mouse shorts over like this particular Mickey Mouse short or something, but you know, or maybe just add a 14th one and just have it be get a horse and then pick any one of the new Mickey Mouse shorts that you're doing, but they didn't, but that's okay because they're all free anyways. So it's not like they do put them out on DVD, but uh, they do. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really have, you don't, you, I think it's, I think of the channel, just Mickey Mouse on YouTube when you yeah. search it out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good way to celebrate Mickey's 90th birthday. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there's, there's a couple hours of just some real funny stuff. Yeah. Certainly not. Certainly the worst way to spend Mickey's birthday is watching Make My Music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Again, there's three of good, there's three good cartoons, but yeah. 
your your time will be better served watching Mickey Mouse cartoon shorts on YouTube. It, absolutely. Yeah. But, but that's going to do it for today. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to thank you all for joining us again for another just us just absolutely poo-pooing all over a Disney movie. And I apologize. <laughs> um, well, we're doing them all. We're doing them all. Uh, that, the, and, and in order, if it were up to me, we'd jump ahead. But it's not up to me. It's up to science. And science says keep going forward. <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to say that, that spoilers, the next one's going to be better. <laughs> the, yeah. It's only two segments. And one of them we know is really good. Um, I don't know. If you, I don't know if you've seen the other segment, but um, um, I don't know that I have. But we'll talk I, about it off air. But uh, <laughs> but um, as of right now, knowing that one of the segments is Mickey and the Beanstalk, there's a guarantee that at least fifty percent of the movie is phenomenal. <laughs> so, uh, yay! But um, but until then. Thanks again for showing up and listening one more time. And uh, please just subscribe to us anywhere. It's great. Uh, uh, I'm getting feedback from friends and stuff. And it's nice to hear that people enjoy it. Enjoy. There's movies that they didn't know existed. Like the last, like people don't really think about the last couple of movies. And this one's going to be another one of them that people probably have never seen. Or if they have seen it, they don't remember seeing it or have seen segments and didn't realize it was part of a movie originally. Like, um, but uh, like, like I'm sure you never knew that like the, some of these segments that you saw in here that you've seen before were originally part of a longer movie. <laughs> so I did not. No. Yeah. So, I mean, these, you know, people, people are enjoying it and I'm glad um, you can uh, go to disneycompendium.com for, the RSS feed. You can go anywhere. The podcasts are uh, available, Spotify, iTunes, Google play, um, Stitcher. It's all there. Um, and uh, again, thank you very much. Uh, and until next week, have a magical day.